All right, this is Average Joe's podcast. Welcome. Uh, I'm Zygmunt Spoloni out of Chicago, Illinois. It's not that cold today. Hi, my name is Jude, uh, alumni of the Ohio State University. Um, I've been affiliated with the league for about nine years now, I guess. Hi, my name's Leslie, uh, former sorry, uh, former Kent State uh, student, um, affiliated with the NCDA for. I think nine years now. Jude, you and I started the same year, I think, so almost a decade. Hello, and I'm Felix Peroni. I'm in Columbus, Ohio right now. Woo! Um, I know in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, there's a couple of leagues, and then there's a couple random pop-up tournaments. Um, I usually try to get together some alumni and some of the older current players of uh, Kent State whenever I can. There was one this past November, uh, the good, wonderful people at uh, Baldwin-Wallace University where there's an NCDA team put together a tournament for testicular cancer, and it was a lot of fun. Save the balls. Yep. Yeah, I put it in the records. It's in there. It happens. It's an NCDA thing. <laughs> Save the balls is pretty good. Yeah, it, Jude got to go with us. Uh, we, we put a little team together. Uh, we had dinner the night before at my place, and um, it, it was a lot of fun to watch uh, Nico uh, Wong be a fantastic uh, gazelle on the court, especially with these tiny little sky zone balls. And they're just rubber, and they whip back and forth. And um, it, it's just it's really fun to watch NCDA players that have never really played with other types of balls or other types of rules get out there, and it's like you're a god amongst mice. <laughs> he um he used to play foam in um what is it Malaysia? Yeah. Yeah, he's a he's a monster. And then I know that there's also um another pop up tournament happening near Columbus, uh, that Team Jesse tournament, which is going to be fun because last year we got a group of NCDA people together and absolutely destroyed a church group of men, women, children, grandparents. It was fantastic. The NCDA will come in and we will ruin your good time. That happens with all the, the professionals. Uh, like a lot of the elite guys, at least in Chicago, that play elite, they'll come in and they'll post pictures of them like wrecking some random event. And I just feel sorry for the people that were at that event because they were just probably just trying to have fun. Yeah, tournaments then, after after NCDA are really like hit or miss unless you get into like some of the bigger leagues. You just kind of pick up whatever. I, Leslie's always like sending out text messages what, once a month Leslie asking about, you know, hey, in four months are you free in November? <laughs> <laughs> It's... Well, because here's the problem, is after, not everybody gets to meet once a week for practice, or parentheses, practice, uh, so it's really difficult to get a hold of you people and be like, hey, how, have this be on your radar, because we're all busy adults now with actual jobs, and it's really depressing, because you don't get to see everybody as often, and so I just like to get it on everybody's radar, of like, hey, there's a tournament near EPA, hey, there's a tournament near Columbus, hey, let's go to Detroit. I do like I it is nice to still be competitive after, you know, NCDA. I, I guess it's not as like competitive as when you're playing in school or anything like that and even joining like side leagues and stuff. There's nothing really really as much fun. I'd rather play regular dodgeball nights like basically just to Paul. <laughs> and the the trouble is uh 
there's no there's not a lot of leagues that are just you know pick up play, which sucks because yeah. it's always I had to I had to have a I have to form a little team or or something like that. And there's there's a couple of leagues. There's a lot of a big dodgeball scene in Chicago, but still, it's I don't want to play competitively every every week. Yeah, no, I, I know that feeling. Like coming from DePaul. <laughs> I mean, DePaul, I I'm always excited for when you guys have like Mayday or like open dodgeball nights. Yeah, Mayday it'll be fun. Uh, but I learned that. So it's it's originally after the Mayday dodge the Mayday riots in the Haymarket affair, and it's a hundred hundred and thirty years since that happened, uh, coming up this May. So oh, we might wow. put that slap that on a poster, because uh, we put like bread and syrup. Some I'm going back to some of the propaganda I created for the event posters. It's like the people need to be satisfied, so you must give them bread and games, which is <laughs> pizza and dodgeball. A lot of propaganda stuff. It was really cool to do. Yeah, your posters and stuff are usually really, really cool. Like, I've always liked your ideas. It's fun. It's a fun thing to do. Felix, any thoughts? Um, I've played <laughs> pick-up tournaments and things like that. <laughs> um, but it's... it's the, com- the competitiveness isn't really anything compared to the NCDA. Yeah. Like heroin, you gotta continue to chase the dragon, boys. <laughs> I'm too old to chase anything, so just kind of stand there and let them throw at me. Yeah, yeah has, has anybody else noticed that the older you get, the more you're like, I'll let you run on the opening rush, and I'll just wait for a ball to come near me, because I don't, I don't want to move too much, but I still want to play. <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't participated in the new opening rush ever. Yeah, no, I have never run up for it. I didn't like it. It seems dangerous and scary, so I just let other people do it. And so, in my old age, that just continues. The rush is always dangerous. I remember, um, I think it was like freshman or sophomore year, I knocked knees with somebody from like Grand Valley when we were still doing the everything on the middle line rush. Oh yeah, that you one. Get elbows. That one I would do. I had no problem with that one. But <laughs> the new one where balls are live immediately. And also, yeah. I came from WKU, so there weren't a lot of throwers on that team, so I needed to stay safe. <laughs> Does anybody notice any damage uh, to their bodies after playing for almost ten plus, or like nine, nope. ten? My years? muscles, my muscles are fine. I never get sore because they're accustomed. Whatever I do in dodgeball, there, I can throw my arm out for a whole day. It doesn't matter. And my arm will never get sore anymore. Uh. And I'll still throw pretty hard, but like it, my muscles are just adapted to whatever I'm doing for dodgeball. So. I hate you because my knees <laughs> are wrecked, my hips are wrecked. I have to. I finally have to start to wear uh, an elbow brace because that, that's starting to get thrown out. And my friends have decided to uh, that I am an 80 year old woman trapped in a 25 year old woman's body, and they frequently ask, "What was the Great War like?" When they hear me turn and hear all of my joints just go, so I hate you all. No, you gotta stretch before and after. I do. Completely, they're they're terrible. I have issues with my shoulder, as everyone has seen in videos, where it falls out of the socket all the time. (sighs) It's been fine over the past year or so, but I had one of my 
uh, girlfriend's friends who's a in physical therapy school look at my arm, and after doing some tests, I'm only able to raise my left arm at this angle, which those of you who list, are listening is not as much as you should be able to. That sucks. She said that's definitely because of the strain that dodgeball puts on your arm, which is fine. I mean, how often do I need my left arm to be completely vertical? <laughs> so the message for the young ones is, hey, stretch, because otherwise you're going to become a creaky alumni in a couple of years. <laughs> stretch. Learn how to throw without hurting your arm. <laughs> Um, let's talk about dodgeball resume padding. Oh, ho, 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 ho. dodgeball has been on so, my resume for years. Mm-hmm. I too. And it works. <laughs> Do not underestimate the power of just putting, you know, dodgeball participants for four years, or like just put like perfect attendance in there. They're they're, they're not gonna match any, but perfect attendance for dodgeball club. And they're like, what the hell is dodgeball club? I want to know more. Yeah. Or uh, it looks no, super it's... impressive when you put member of, you know, whatever school you go to, varsity dodgeball team, because, you know, <laughs> it, just just throw that in there. And it's a great talking point because, like, what do you mean dodgeball team? Well, let me tell you, there's an entire league about it, and, and I'm great in stressful situations, and it's a wonderful team-building exercise, so by all means, work can't be nearly as bad as getting an 80-mile-per-hour rubber ball thrown at my face. Let's do this. Well, that's the thing, too. I mean, if you are ever, in any form or fashion, a, a leader of a NCDA team, you are involved in much more than just playing. There's a lot of time management and budgeting and um, team leadership, things like that. All these things that are applicable in most jobs. And so if you're able to spin it the right way, then it's definitely helpful. Yeah, from from putting on just even being involved to being a captain my senior year, everybody, it's the, the leadership always, like, comes up in, like, job interviews and stuff, and it's like, oh, how many people were on the team? Mm-hmm. Uh, how many people did you know? How many, you know, where'd you guys travel to? And it's, like, not just a good icebreaker, but like you said, Felix, it really endorses you as something else. Definitely. Yeah, and it's, you don't have to be a leader to take advantage of that either. No. Um, oh, no, no. I'm no, sure no. it helps, but, like, it's definitely um, something to talk about. All right, so let's jump to lead growth. Somebody start off. In uh, 2009, in my freshman year at Nationals, it was at Grand Valley State, and there were seven teams there. And, uh, now I've been to tournaments, definitely where there's been more than that, just in the regular season. So just seeing the league come from where it was when I was a freshman to where it is now is incredible. This this past year, there were 16 teams. The largest national tournament was at WKU in 2011. We had 17. So. Yeah, it should be really good for this upcoming year. But um, going through the records and managing the records, I could see how big of a, a place that we, we have. We've gone through... Basically, looking at the season, going like, "Oh man, we broke a hundred games this season." Um, 
even before that, we broke 50 games this season, and then go, we're at 100 before the fall even started, I think. Uh, we yeah. broke 100 matches. Wow. Um, before the winter winter quarter started, we broke 100 matches, and that was that's insane. Um, when we only have like 22 active teams playing and a couple teams that are outliers that are going to play their first matches this this year in a couple months. But uh, it is insane that um, we're on track to do like 220 games a season. The small little Midwestern League. (laughs) I mean, the other thing that I think helps is uh, we finally hit, I think it was last year, the 10th anniversary of that godforsaken movie, which has had, I think, maybe a little bit of a resurgence. In interest, because it's like, oh man, this movie is already ten years old. Let's check this out. Do people actually do this? And then it's like, yes, but it's way more serious than you ever dreamed it would be. Um, I just looked it up, and right now there are 565 registered members in the NCDA, which is incredible. Yeah, that's intense. We're we're getting it, the NCDA as a whole is getting huge. You know, we I'm I'm not aware of any other collegiate leagues that are within anywhere, honestly. Yeah. And it's it's it almost kind of ultimate would be the closest example to us, um, in terms of like how big their teams are, and uh, and how how many teams there are in in the United States in general. And, like, only having basically USAL, which is one organization, whereas, like, uh, lacrosse has a couple organizations that are national, and there's, uh, you know, maybe two or three national ones, and I'm sure somebody will destroy that statistic, but there's definitely more than one. Mm-hmm. There's a table tennis one. <laughs> I think rugby is... Collegiate table tennis. I think rugby is uh, pretty standard. They're they're like actually underneath the USA Rugby. Yeah, rugby and ultimate um, are very similar to each other. Yeah. In terms of how they're organized, um, and they're I think they're not they're they're not not for profit. <laughs> I think they're for for profit organizations, so I think it helps. But um, whereas just the National Table Tennis Collegiate. National Collegiate Table Tennis Association is just like us, only they play table tennis. I think it's it's definitely getting to the point where we might have to consider bridging like divisional, like I, I think I've or not divisional but like almost regional. Like there's such a high concentration between Ohio and Michigan, but there's a ton, you know, towards the Midwest, like between Oklahoma and Northern Texas. Um, hell, even like Wisconsin Platteville. As far as uh, like, okay, so I'll put a question to you guys. Where do you think the next big um, explosion of membership will be? As in, like the last couple years, we've had Ohio explode. Where do you think the next one's going to be for the NCDA? I think New York, uh, New York, Pennsylvania, that area. The New England area? Um, yes. Like, there's a, a club at Haverford College in eastern Pennsylvania. Um, it's, like, on the border of Pennsylvania and New Jersey. 
and then there's another school in New Jersey that's had a club for years, and these are all like small colleges, but they have active clubs, and whether it's just because we're not doing a good enough job reaching out to them, or uh, they play a smaller style game, mm-hmm. either way, those are two schools we could use to help bridge the gap between uh, the Northeast and the Midwest. I think uh, Virginia is going to be... That's my dirty secret because I know people in Virginia, in the state of Virginia, that multiple colleges, at least two or three, I looked back, um, that are trying to start actual teams and contacted the NCDA about joining. So that's my dirty my dirty uh, response to that. <laughs> my dirty answer. Well, um, there's definitely there's definitely already the drive and growth out there between like the schools that are already established. I don't see there's any reason why they wouldn't continue to like push up. Am I the only butthead that's hoping that there's more of a New England explosion just because if we ever have a Nationals out there, I would love to be able to get some fresh New England crab or lobster? No? <laughs> or am I the only one that whenever I think of NCDA, I go, oh, where is this tournament going to be at? Do they have good local food there? Because, you know. No, they have, they have good local beef. Good Midwestern beef. That's what we know. That's what, uh, <laughs> getting good local food. All we go to, all we do is go to Applebee's and B-Dubs. That's true. <laughs> yeah. I've been trying to go to different places. When I with the short-lived team, uh, Davenport in Davenport, Iowa, which is St. Ambrose, um, it fell on one of uh, my girlfriend's anniversary, so. We went out to we went hopping to all the, or brewery hopping to all the breweries out there. There's only five breweries there, but they were all pretty nice. But I tried to go to breweries now just because I like <laughs> beer and stuff like that. That's the most I can get. Same. I, I do very similar things. <laughs> <laughs> Last time when I came out to Chicago, there was a couple of different ones I jumped about to. Yeah, we have, like, I think uh, the count is, like, 40 within the city limits now, which is a lot. Oh, God. But it's growing all the time. I still have yet to uh, come to Chicago for dodgeball. Never played dodgeball in Chicago. Mayday. Mayday. I'll be there for Elite, I suppose. Oh, come on. You have to come to Mayday, Felix. You can just ride with me. Ride with me and Jude. I'm not riding with Leslie. Everybody freaking hates me. And can I just say, I'm really proud of myself for mellowing out enough the past couple of years that I don't swear as much and have to be bleeped on podcasts. I don't, I wouldn't care. I'm not going to do anything. <laughs> uh, that's the extent of my editing. Does anybody feel that there's a becoming a greater schism between, like, skill levels of teams. Like from, I guess, what it was like back when you were in the NCDA or playing, I should say, versus like now. There's so many teams that are getting like better and better and better and then we had new teams and I don't know. It's Maybe I was just kind of like blind to it, but I don't necessarily remember it being like that. I noticed um, my first year playing, 
there, like when Kent, you know, it had been a lot of that, that first, uh, that fall of 2008, we had a bunch of, it was my freshman class, and we played against Louisville, but some of the older Kent guys had already played a couple, you know, years in the NCDA, so they were able to kind of teach us, like the young kids, you know, on Fridays, like, hey, this is kind of how you want to do things. Louisville, back, um, I guess it was one of their first years starting out, they just got kind of blindsided by us, um, and then they dissipated, but then something similar happened my junior year with Emu. It was one of their first couple of times playing, um, and the first time we played up against them, they got rocked by Kent, and then we played against them a couple months later, and they learned more of the Michigan style of playing, which is way more ball control than what I've noticed a lot of the Ohio teams like, and they were able to actually hold their own against us. So I guess it's one of those, it, there's, there's, there's going to be a steep learning curve until the teams kind of find their footing. It's always been there. You just got to pay attention for it, I guess. Yeah. I think, like, people just learn how to play. Um, <laughs> they learn how to play. Like, a, a very good example is Western Illinois. Went to Nationals one year. Um... On Saturday, they were taught how to pinch. They did. They came without knowing how to pinch, and then on Sunday, they came in and like they made some noise because they they learned how to pinch in the next game that they played in overnight. Um, and I think that's just kind of in the same vein. Once the the knowledge is passed through the league, because there's not a lot of secret stuff. If you just kind of watch the video and watch how uh, how Michigan teams play, they just kind of you know don't throw stupid balls. They throw together. They they go back and forth. They let the other team throw. Um, I don't know. It's just like some of the some of the Illinois region that we that we call DePaul and, and Wisconsin. They play like Michigan because that's all all they play is they they play Michigan teams, which is weird. They know how Michigan plays. They just don't execute it because it's not. Do you guys think that the game is going to change any more, like rule-wise or play-style-wise? Yes. <clears throat> I know there's been a lot of just like general controversy in like years past between like rule changes and stuff. I wouldn't say more than any other controversy. I think we're good oh. about staying uh, true to what the league as a whole wants or or kind of directs them. I think the biggest change will be instituting, hopefully, a, uh, a like a secondary division or something like that, where it was like six on six or like eight on eight. Um, but that's the biggest thing that I see coming up. I don't know when when I first redid the rule book, way back when Bomus was still in charge. Now he's in the military. But anyways, um, he said, oh, we're not going to have any rule changes for a while. Like, this is pretty good. Like, it, it covers all the bases. And then we always found something that was different or we wanted to change, like the opening rush, um, which is now very old. And I think just, you know, we, we go back and change stuff. If we need to change stuff, we change stuff. It's not like it's everything's set in stone. I like that. I have been pushing for the last four years for the league, okay. or for the to get smaller, I would love to see 10 on 10. Um, I know I'm always going to lose this battle, but I think 
Quaidzig was saying, us hopefully trying to introduce different divisions in the next couple of years, uh, like a six-on-six division of the NCDA. I think with that, it'll change the style of play for the 15-on-15. It would be interesting to see, like, one school bring, like, two sets of teams or something like that. I think that'd be a great idea because it would push people to become better all-around players instead of forcing certain people to be like, okay, you're strictly going to be the defensive people and you're strictly going to be the offensive people. And, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but when I play, I want to try and become the best well-rounded person and be able to do well in almost any scenario instead of having to rely on other people to work together, you know, as like, I guess, a tighter group and just be able to rely on people to be more well-rounded. Does that make sense or am I rambling? That it would probably be a lot easier for some of the smaller schools that are just starting out to be able to get, you know, a smaller team to go. Because I know that for some uh, teams, it's really difficult to get 15 people to play, and then you got like your what, four or five backups? Yep. Yeah. A lot of people that that will bring just 10 people just because they can, um, and we allow them to play. And then what's weird about it is uh, the opposing team will play with 15. So it'll be 10 on 15, which is obviously unfair. Um, and I'm, I didn't check if DePaul... So DePaul gave... Um, Ak- when Akron played uh, them at the Cibo, they only had they only brought nine roster people. And I think DePaul gave them like two or three people that played on Akron for the day. Um just to give them points. And I think DePaul, I don't remember what DePaul did, but I hope they they played like 11 on 11. We used to do that um, way back when we, we would play like Moody. Moody only had 12 people. And, you know, for the first couple points, we'd play 12 on 12. And then yeah. the, the game would be decided and we'd throw everybody in. And I think that that's a good idea because the last thing you want is for a team to be like, okay, well, we only have 10 and go into a tournament with, you know, well, we're not going to do very well because all these other teams are bringing stacked rosters and they have a whole bunch of subs. And it's, I think that that helps play into league retention to get, you know, other teams to be like, okay, it's going to be all right. We'll we'll work with what we have and turn it into a nice little tight group, you you know, or again, Mm -hmm. I Worried I'm rambling. Group, co- group cohesion. Um, stuff that helps with that is definitely like the road trips that we that we have as as going cross country. Um, yeah. And even when you're like when you're when you have eleven people and you're facing a team, um, let's say they're randomly from Michigan, and uh, and they bring twenty people, and you have eleven people. I think that bonding experience kind of <laughs> baptized by fire. <laughs> Going through the gauntlet. I think, um, yeah, that's, I think it helps. Um, and if you just, if you have a positive attitude, I think that, that, that goes a long way. Alright, let's close it down for some, okay. I don't know, to do something. <laughs> so somebody do a rant. Felix, do a rant. Rant it out. I'm tired of Michigan being the hot of dodgeball. What? I'm excited for Ohio to rise from the ashes. <laughs> yes. Ohio will take the top, hopefully. Yeah, this is a this is an Ohio centric uh, podcast. 
podcast, it seems, at the moment. <laughs> I do, I, I guess, I'm tired. I'm, I don't know, I, I feel like a broken, broken record, but I'm really tired of, like, the schism and skill levels at times, like, especially when it comes to, like, nationals and stuff. I really hope that, you know, moving forward, it becomes a bit more acceptable to play teams of similar, you know, strength and skill, but I'll continue talking to the wall and praying that that eventually happens. We kind of have that going. We have a a small thing where you get at least one match that's rated to you, then one match you like, and then one match you that is unique. Right, yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, And we definitely, I mean, as, as an organization, we've definitely gone away from pitting Grand Valley versus number 20. (laughs) <laughs> that'll never happen because it's just it's not a, it, it's inconsequential to the ratings now like uh, there's a minimum rating mm-hmm. and uh, it just uh, in, the, in two or three three of the systems it like doesn't matter and uh, if I had my way it, act, it would actually hurt the better team by playing that person mm-hmm. but uh, we gotta have the count for something because like usually <laughs> I, so if I, if we didn't have a minimum value in Gonzalez's system, the game if you if Grand Valley played like DePaul or anybody below top ten, they'd lose points for playing them, even if they beat them. Oh wow! And I think that would be a good oh man, that would be a great thing <laughs> not to play uh, the shitty teams. Um, but I'm sure that's no, that's not fun. That's unfair. I mean, and that would suck for the shitty teams because then they want to play, and then they're like, "No, we don't want to play you. We'll lose points. Yeah. We'll lose points, and you'll gain points, um, which is a too." I just uh, no. I'm tired of of some of the attitudes that come out, and I, I don't know. Maybe maybe this year it's been different because I've been a, a bit uh, more removed. From a lot of the a lot of the going ons between like you know different teams, just <laughs> shit talking each other, and I there's the first time I actually swear in this podcast. I just I don't know. I find it aggravating how y- you know you'll get some teams to where it's like okay if every little tiny thing doesn't go their way, it's just a bitch fest, and I'm so tired of that. It's like dude, just play the game. Why do you have to? Rule lawyer every little thing. You know what I mean? It's just like, just have fun. Like I get it. We're all competitive. That that's part of the thing. But it's like, you don't need to sit there and and argue with the other team, uh, the the refs, and have the captains argue out for like twenty freaking minutes when it's something they could just be like, hey, just water under the bridge. Play the game. I don't know. That's I will say my... this: that um, that last year that um, at nationals generally teams didn't argue with the refs. I mean, the ref would make a call, and they'd, they'd squabble for about a, a you know a second or two, and then they'd just go sit down. Um, and I think that's a great a great thing, because we don't want to start carding people just because they're constantly playing, because that ruins the game and uh, ruins the flow of it. But if you just kind of, like, you know, sit down and take the call, then it's better for everybody. Yeah. I mean, the other part of it is, is that life doesn't always go the way you want it to. <laughs> And and yeah. maybe if their parents didn't teach them, maybe they'll learn it some other way. But it's just it's it's really aggravating when you'll get 
you know, people whose egos are as big as the gravitational pull of the sun that just suck everything in. It's like, okay, this, you're not even on my radar, man. Like, calm down. You may be the biggest shit wherever it is your hometown is, but when it comes to nationals, you're really not. And even if you are putting some ripples in that big, huge pond, it doesn't really matter that much. Come on, quit being so sensitive. <laughs> I think there's a lot more fun, though. There's fun. Fun fun's happening. I'm determined to make fun happen. Yeah, that's what everybody should do. <laughs> if you don't see fun happening, you better do some shouting and make some fun happen. That's that's a, that's the that's my my thing. Just do, just shout a little bit. <laughs> shout good things. Just shout shout positive things. You don't have to shout shout mean things. That's no fun. It's no fun to shout start. no fun things. That's, that's what it is. No, just sit there and just scream, "Yay, sports! Do the thing! Win the points, guys!" Yeah. Um, all right, I think that that'll that'll close us out on that bombshell. <laughs> on Yay, that bombshell. Sports, win the points. Close it uh, out. I'm Zygmus Maloney out of Chicago, Illinois. I'm Neil Zygmunt out of Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> Jude Dupart out of Columbus, Ohio. And I'm Leslie Ellison out of Cleveland, Ohio. And this is Average Joe's Podcast. Thank you all for going through this alumni edition. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Average Joe's Podcast. Be sure to check out more episodes of Average Joe's on iTunes or our website, ncdadodgeball.com. Until next time, just remember the five Ds of dodgeball. Dodge, duck, dip, dive, and die. Bye-bye.